0: It's this episode of Grashlin Party, as opposed to that episode of Grashlin Party. It's this one, baby. I'm Grant. She's Ashlyn. Together, we are Grashlin. Together, this is a party. This is the our party. last name. You, you get it? It's my last name. We're married. There you go. That's the hook of the podcast. We. Uh, it's almost the end of social distancing. Neither of us have gotten the vaccination yet. We feel like we're probably behind on that. Seems like everybody's getting the jabby. Not yeah. us yet soon, soon it opens up to everybody soon, but also in addition to it like by enforcement opening up to everybody here in Los Angeles soon there's also they're like giving away shots, it turns out yeah at these yeah. places so it all it's almost like becoming to the point of like, well, am I being negligent by waiting? I guess I should get this done soon but nonetheless, my point is is that this podcast was started in the era. Of social distancing and now that era is coming to an end. So too is this show. No. Yeah, I'm I was gonna kidding. say,
1: what are you are you thinking of what's this a lead up to?
0: Oh my my it's the lead up to this. I was gonna make you very hang on the edge of your seat. This podcast is coming to a continuation. New
1: <laughs> yeah, it's coming
0: to a new episode. Uh this very episode. Uh so that's how I'm feeling. Ashlyn, how are you doing?
1: You know, it's been a good day. <laughs> my day recaps on this podcast. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm doing really good. I'm gonna close this door because I can hear, you know, one of our neighbors starting up a machine, which I'm definitely looking forward to leaving behind soon.
0: What kind this of machine? Of,
1: I don't know, leaf blower. I didn't know how many people owned. A leaf oh my gosh. Machine. Did you hear that? That sounded like cat.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a whole calamity situation. I don't know what's happening. It sounds like you close the door deadbolted it, and then stepped on a cat. That's what it about sounded That's like. That's
1: exactly what it sounded like. Um, no, that was Milo, our cliniest cat, who just wants to spend every minute being petted and will smack me with his paw if I don't pet him.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you were out of town for a minute. They've been missing you.
1: Yeah, I have been. I was out of town for 20, 48 hours.
0: Yeah, 48 and hours. And that was
1: enough for them to lose their minds.
0: Mm-hmm. Their their lines and their minds. In that time, I watched Godzilla v Kong, Dawn of Monster Justice. Without you, I watched it. It seemed appropriate. Although I think you would have liked it. They they slug it out these two big big guys, King Kong, <laughs> Gojira, as they call him in the film.
1: Do you think it was better? One of the better like popcorn movies you've seen recently.
0: Everything is flat to me. Everything is just like a flat. Coke can it's all fine I don't know I, I imagine our guest will have some thoughts on this because as you know uh, he is the host of the geekscape podcast Empire and in fact he's this he's a returning guest although this is his first official appearance on the on the show according to the Wikipedia but if you dig deep enough into the Wikipedia you'll find that all of our best episodes have been lost episodes episodes yeah. that we recorded but then had uh, an audio mishap Happen, an audio mishap, issue. Mm-hmm, to where it becomes just a, a relic, a a lost arc, maybe. Anyway, um, uh, this is my way of saying welcome to the podcast, Jonathan London, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Hey, man, I'm actually going to compare that lost episode to the five hours of footage that wasn't included in Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> this is the two hours that you're going to get. And, uh, according to the director, this is what, this is the good stuff.
0: The other
2: four or five hours, you didn't want that anyway.
0: Yeah. Our first, the first version that we recorded was about two and a half justice leagues Mm -hmm. uh, of the Snyder cut. Yeah. So it was a, it was, um, it was, it was a solid, like most of the wake waking hours of the day, but then of course we lost it all. We discovered not only the meaning of life, but like a mathematical equation to recreate it wherever you want.
2: Life no, on well, Mars
0: was was we that's where we got by hour nine,
2: I think. If this is the if the comparison's the Justice League, then this is the uh okay, then what we recorded was the pre Joss Whedon. It was lost. The Joss Whedon thing came out, that would be your other guests. And then you look back and we're like, no, I think we can do better. And you course corrected the original podcast with what you're getting now. So this is the four three version. Ideally, you're li- listening to this in black and white, and uh, there's going to be a lot of curse words and slow motion, and uh, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. But you know who's going to be conspicuously absent
0: is uh, Leonard Cohen. Oh, I, thought
2: would, say, would... <laughs> I thought you were going to say I thought you were going to say joy or brevity.
0: Yeah, uh, you know what's going to be absent is jokes. <laughs> Unlike the Snyder cut, there's no jokes on this podcast. Uh, There's fewer jokes. There's fewer comedy. There's fewer. There's fewer amounts of humor.
2: This podcast should feel a bit
0: more dead and morose.
2: Yeah, this show. I think we should just paint everything with the same brush, and the brush is shaped like a mallet.
0: Yeah, it just makes everything gray. Did you watch the the, That's the level of subtlety we're
2: gonna do. Uh, uh, No, I'd already watched the four hour version. By the time somebody tipped me to the gray version, wait, the gray version—that's a real thing. That's not like the Onion. No, that's real. It's real, baby. It, it's on HBO Max. And, if uh, I go to HBO I, Max right now, it would give me the option to right watch now. that movie again. And like, Yeah, more, it's called no. the Justice
0: is Gray edition. And <laughs> as promised, it is very gray. It is a gray movie. It's not Whether just you like, like, like it better in color or not, I don't know. I, I skimmed through it and I was like, this is the movie, but gray.
2: Okay, it's black and white or is it just like a toned down color? It's black and white. But it's gray. I mean, it's predominantly gray. The the version I saw was predominantly gray, but it had some colors. To it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's not. A, so you don't have to do too much imagining. And if you've seen it, you're just like, what if you sucked the color out of it even more to a oh, point no. where it's yeah. So that that does exist, and you can watch it. What Ashlyn and I did actually watch the Justice League and devoted a whole episode to it. So, but I'm curious because we haven't talked since then what uh what you thought of the full justice league or the two compared
2: yeah i mean we did an episode of Ron geekscape where we compared it to like i guess we just compared it to zach's earlier dc films and that includes Watchmen and how Watchmen is a deconstruction on superheroes but that sort of approach doesn't really work for the justice league or for kal-el to begin with like it's just deconstructing superman doesn't really work because he is the barometer so like watchman exists as a deconstruction of several of those uh sort of golden age heroes that that kind of uh, silver age heroes that started to come about in response to superman and then you were d- deconstructing that so now they're going back and like zach's obsessed with like going and like deconstructing superman and then deconstructing the other heroes but he, there's no barometer right because when you're watching watchman and you know that it's versions of like the question or blue beetle or the different versions of these characters that came post Superman, they were already a deconstruction on Superman. So to then go and make a deconstruction on Superman. You don't have the barometer to which you're deconstructing or comparing anything because you haven't established Superman. And that's kind of what happens in this film, which I'm glad exists. I I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but I'm glad it exists for people who did enjoy it. And, uh, and I'm glad the gray version exists for people who enjoyed that because I think it's good for people to enjoy things. I, I just didn't, um, because I didn't quite get the the necessity to, I, I didn't, I just, if you want to say something about, uh, justice or Superman or gods or the, the this and that, I, I just don't know what you're saying with those things. Uh, when all the c- characters have s- like that similar of a tone. So again, like it, you're painting everything with the same brush, And um, again, that's a a problem when you have a morally ambiguous Superman through the first two films of Superman. And then this one, he starts to get a moral code by the time he shows up. And then by the the time this movie ends, we get we get the Superman that we that we that we get in the DC comics is the morally like uh, he's the he's the one that he is Superman at the end of Snyder's Justice League. And he's still in a black
0: suit. He actually doesn't yeah. really have much of a conclusion to his arc, like the conclude, like he he was no, resurrected and then you didn't see just, him again. He's so just except h- that he comes back and saves the day. At least in the Whedon cut, you did get like the post credit stinger of like Flash and Superman doing sure. the race, and so that's you true. kind of it does that's speak more fun. to that of like it's the you Superman a Clark, that you kind of want. You get but in Clark this one, he's still just like he's still just like very emo by the end, well, very goth in the goth the- suit
2: you get a Clark Kent scene and you get a brief Clark Kent scene. And then uh, you do have him. I think that scene on the Kent farm is better. It's still really long, but I mean, he starts to become hopeful, but let's be really clear. That's who he's supposed to be when he leaves the Kent the, the Kent farm in the first place. That's who he's supposed to be when he buries Jonathan Kent. Like that's who he's supposed to be. Then the second, I by, wonder by, how by they put explain. On that suit, he's supposed to be that person when he puts the suit on And that's kind of the flaw of this approach to the, to this corner of the DC universe is that you don't have the barometer to which you measure Diana or measure Bruce or measure Arthur or measure any of the other DC characters because Superman is that barometer. And if, you know, if you spend all your time picking them apart and comparing them to gods, well, you did that with Dr. Manhattan and that's what Dr. Manhattan's for. But Dr. Manhattan and Kal-El are not the same characters. And so you got to go back to the treatment of Jonathan Kent and the death of Jonathan Kent wasn't the right, you know what I mean? Like the dude has to die of a heart attack. Cause it's the one thing that he can, that he cannot stop. And it, it's a matter, you know, the heart is an important metaphor for all of this because Superman is the heart of this entire society of super beings, you know? So if Diana is the spirit and, and Bruce is the mind, it's, that trifecta is really important and we just hadn't we we just hadn't gotten that and the fact that you introduced the trifecta in BVS and hadn't set up the heart of it all i you know it it felt like it, it was a uh, a table built with a short leg you it was is constantly going to need some awkward adjustment throughout and uh who knows maybe they can make some cool stuff from here um you know <laughs> dc's making way for it by clearing a new gods film off the schedule. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing, but, uh, who knows? I'll watch all these movies. You know, I didn't think about it till just now, but I,
0: Clark Kent died in, he had a funeral. Yeah. Both Clark yeah. Kent and Superman were dead and mm-hmm. now Superman's back. And so is Clark Kent. Yep. You know, I'm starting to think there might be a connection between the two. <laughs> well, If I'm Perry white, if I'm Perry white played by Lawrence Fishburne, and i've uh, previously had this reporter covering games of the gotham knights and i, I remember who he is and now he's just back maybe yeah. was at his funeral and now he's no, back i'm y- going to y- think there might be a connection
2: yeah you think about that the entire time cuz clark is buried in smallville and that is kal-el's body but that means clark like you said had to die and the whole time i'm watching this whole thing i like there was a funeral for clark just like there was a very public funeral for superman Clark is going to reemerge and you know, that's fine and everything. But when you start treating things this seriously and you really want to take a realistic approach to it, it all just falls apart. And again, like you said, he's working amongst investigative reporters and you have to just throw a lot of that out the window. If you're going to go realistic with it, because realistically they would have deduced that in five seconds. You know what I mean? Like Lois would have deduced that with a smell like she's a she's a she's a like polisher prize winning investigative reporter she would have poked holes in that story a million times over so again the barometer wasn't set properly in man of steel it's a fun i enjoy the movie but um i think some of the goals with these films have been in the wrong place and that's cool that's that's his thing and and i i can't wait to see X movie I like his movies I can't wait for the for the zombie movie he's got coming in may I, I really really enjoy his movies um, what
0: do you think of uh, the announced Superman movie with uh
2: Michael B Jordan have you talked a lot about that yeah and it, here's the thing I'm I I like the idea of you know first off there's definitely alternate Earths and, and DC's going with the multiverse thing and there is alternate earths where there is a black superman but i think if you're going to make it the core superman um this is going to sound wrong but i think superman has to come from a, a plan of white dudes because krypton is a bunch of science deniers who doomed themselves with, with that so like you kidding me? That's a, that's a GOP uh, planet. You know what I mean? Like that is uh, the most, that is the most anti-science planet to their own demise. And you're telling me, me that guy's not white. Now Krypton's white. It's all, it's all a bunch of white people <laughs> fucking themselves over. <laughs> I like Michael B. Jordan. Let's, let's get him in the Superman suit. Let's see what happens. I, you know, I think you might've set it off. I think you may. I think you said it in, the, in your intro because obviously I watched Kong vs Godzilla as well. But I think when you, you're a filmmaker, you start making things. You respect everybody else's stories, but um, but a lot of that stuff, it, you're not as invested in it as you were when you were a fan of this stuff. Now you're you're looking at it with a little bit too much of a critical eye, and you kind of know how the how the uh, how it's made, and and so you're kind of looking at it and picking it apart a little bit. So it really needs to blow you away on a, on a certain level. And I think it's a personal level. I think there are people who make things and they watch, uh, you know, the the Snyder cut or they watch Kong versus Godzilla and they're blown away by it. The same way that you and I were blown away. Maybe we went to see Lord of the Rings or we went to see maybe some of the Marvel films or, uh, the way we were blown away when I, when I saw Shazam and I was like, Oh, this is such a great, uh, film. Um, I had so much fun watching those films and you just kind of forget that you're in the process of, of picking it apart. And I, and I don't think you mean to pick it apart. I don't think you walk in there snooty. You want to enjoy all these films. I enjoyed Aquaman, you know, but uh, after a while you just, you know, you just can't help it. You start comparing it and subconsciously pushing and pulling it to your own stories, you know, and, and seeing how you would do things differently. And I think that ultimately with a lot of these characters and you see it in the, in the success that Marvel's had is that they stick to the, the stress tested over time um, treatment of these characters, you know? So if there's an established storyline with a lot of these characters, it usually works pretty well on screen. You know, even when you you have something that that's only been done recently, like civil war or planet Hulk, and you take an iteration of that storyline and you put it on screen, it usually does pretty well. Uh, When things start to deviate from that, you start to take a risk and i would say that guardians of the galaxy deviated from any of the established like storylines for guardians of the galaxy because there was no real established storyline for guardians of the galaxy you know like maybe abnett and lanning's stuff in like the early 2000s you could say was like good you know was like a solid place to build but james gunn just came and made it his own thing when you look at like captain marvel for instance and you say okay like what are we going to lean on to make a Captain Marvel film? I don't think that there was that iconic Captain Marvel storyline that you could go to and say, Hey, we're going to do this, you know, which is again, like going back to like Iron Man three, it would have been awesome if they would have been able to do for Iron Man three, like the demon in the bottle storyline that they hinted at in the voiceover at the beginning of the movie by saying everybody has their own demons. I was like, Oh, they're going to treat. This is the film about Tony's alcoholism, but, they, it, it wasn't. It was something about anxiety, and then they kind of character assassinated Pepper to a degree, so that she wouldn't recognize her ex-employer, even though he's on the cover of a magazine in her lobby, and she runs a robotics firm, and even though she doesn't recognize this guy, but she ran a robotics convention in Iron Man Two, and like, why did you character assassinate Pepper? She's brilliant. She can run a multi-like billion-dollar robotics company, the leading. Ro- I don't. You know, there's just stuff that. Again, if you start treating it too realistically, it falls apart. So that's on me. I kind of took that and ran with it, Grant. You can have the show back.
0: You really did. My <laughs> next question for you is, do you have any pets?
2: <laughs> Pet peeves. I, I had pets for a, very, for a long time. I'm between pets at the moment. I'm sorry
0: to hear you're between yeah. pets. Are you a cat or a dog guy or, or what kind of pets are uh, your preference? What did you grow I'm up a, with?
2: I'm a dog person. Yeah. I like cats. They're fine, but I'm a dog person. Does that make me untrustworthy? That makes me trustworthy and loyal. What and if yeah. we,
1: what if we just like booted you off the podcast? Like it was just like you were muted for the rest of the time?
2: That's okay. Just can, kidding. I, I've <laughs> got I've got a podcast I call my home that I can just go back to. We're <laughs> happy to have you here. It's just the yeah. cat
0: and you like cats. It's not that I just like, like cats. I you dislike like, like cats. Have, a lot. You just you haven't met the
2: right cat. Yeah. Oh, I like cats a lot. If I had a cat, I would love that cat.
0: What Do would you, you, you name any, a, like, a hypothetical
2: dream... cat? Hmm. Oh. Oh, oh! I don't know because I think it. I think they name themselves. You know what I mean? Like I don't have a hypothetical cat that I would just be like, my next dog's going to be named this, or my next cat's going to be named that. I think you take the approach where you live with the cat for a few days, or you know what I mean? Like the dog ultimately yeah, starts naming itself. You know, uh, we rescued a. I remember when I was married, we rescued a dog from the North Valley, and he was a Boston, and it was one of these things where my wife at the time ran a dog. Uh, daycare and she knew she just didn't want the dog to be in the shelter anymore and she went to pick up the dog and the boston turned out to be like huge and he had a full he had a long full tail uh and he and we got him tested he was 100 percent boston he just actually happened to have a long tail and it wasn't curly it wasn't cropped it wasn't any of that it was just a, a tail and, and he was big so she brought him home with the idea that if it you know He'll spend the night at the house, and then he'll go to the daycare until somebody can actually pick him up. But we'll foster him for a few days. And I grew attached to the dog, and the dog was big, so I just named him Texas. and And it took a day, but these dog, you know, these animals, I think you you end up getting nicknames for them, and you, they they inherit their own names after a while. Does that make sense? You know, you know how it is. Y'all have cats, like yeah. You, I'm on you name I, I'm your on. cat the actual name of the cat, or do you name it nicknames?
0: Yep. It's uh well Ashlyn and I have differed on this actually slightly. Uh because I, I've I feel like we've renamed a couple of the cats a couple times. At least the feral I don't cats. I believe
1: in renaming pets after you've like had them for a while. Like I think you can have nicknames, mm-hmm. but I think the cats will get emotionally confused if you
0: change their name. We changed it pretty early on. I think we changed them to the right things. They were originally just named they had placeholder names.
2: But it was after a period of time, Ashlyn, that like the cat Got named is what you're saying. Like after a while they got the name and that was the name and it's done. And that's what you named mm, it. Yeah. Yeah, I, but
1: I I would say, like, I guess one of the things that is different is that I don't even say after a period of time. Like I meet a cat and I'm like, okay, this is its name, and this is its name forever.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's based on some kind of observed behavior though, right?
1: No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, not necessarily, like, need- Ma- Milo and Moose, those names, where did those names come from?
1: Well Milo was pretty easy. So okay, when I was That's growing up, movie, Milo I always wanted two girl cats called Molly and Maggie. I was uh-huh. like obsessed with the idea of having two girl cats called Molly and Maggie. But then when I got my two cats, they were boys. Oh my god.
0: Um, but you still wanted the M M&M. and M.
1: Yeah, I still wanted the M M&M and M names. Um just because I think cats were good with an M name, you know?
2: Mm. Uh, I think I'm actually gonna agree with you because I did have a pug named Cheese, and I definitely named him Cheese only when I knew I was gonna get a pug, but I'd never met that pug. And when we mm. got the pug, he was Cheese, and the dog's name was Cheese his entire life. And uh that's it. and I just wanted to name a pug Cheese, I think. And uh That's and a good name. Pretty. Cheese the yeah. Pug is a Cheese
1: good is name. Cheese is a good name. Cheese was phenomenal. I love pugs.
2: Yeah, I do you too. Know,
1: I, I think as a grown up, I've been. Here are my top dogs Pug, okay. Dachshund, the like wiener dog, mm-hmm. and the fluffy West Highland Terriers, the white ones.
2: Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've owned sure. a Pug, uh, I've owned Frenchie. And I've owned Boston, and my best friend oh, is a Bo- my friend. My best friend was a Boston, and I think that it's just like if they if they're a little inbred and they need help, you know, and their breathing isn't <laughs> so great. Sign me up, sign me up. <laughs> and one of the pugs, you know, we call him a pug, but he was also half Shih Tzu, and so that
1: oh, those are cute. you
2: know, yeah, he's who got him in two thousand. That dog is still alive. That dog is seventeen years old. Oh, my oh, God. Wow. And that is uh, that is the difference when you introduce a uh, – when you suddenly don't inbreed a dog, it can live longer because that dog is half Shih Tzu, half Pug. And the Pug didn't last that long. The Boston's aren't lasting that long. But the half Pug Shih Tzu is a legend. 17 Living years.
1: forever? That's wow. so – did you have a sweet 16 party for that dog?
2: Oh no, longer my dog. That was an early relationship that I got the dog. Oh. And I, I never inherit the dogs.
1: Yeah, no, mm. no, you know, no, yeah.
2: You know it, yeah, that is tough. That is a tough thing, and uh, and I remember, um, you know, saying bye to my dog, and and you know, I say I remember saying bye to all of them, and it kind of stinks. But I remember with Rufus, who's like my favorite, my ex-wife. We were divorced at the time, and she lived outside of L.A., and I got to spend a day with. Him and overnight, and then in the morning, you know, we kn- we knew that he had a tumor, but uh, when I returned Rufus to her and she was going to drive out of town, he just seemed so okay that you know she said uh, that I was like, you know what, I'll see him again. And then by the time they got home, which was up north I mean, near San Francisco, he had started to have seizures, and you know she put him down a day or two later. But oh, it's wow. just it was just crazy, and um, I had a you know. He was a great dog. <laughs> dogs are like my subject. My, you know, my my feature film that we're putting together now is about a, a guy and a dog. Uh, I just love dogs. I think that they're a great barometer of a of us. I think they're they're our guides, and I think cats, in a lot of ways, are like that too. Animals really are. They, they, they definitely don't give a shit about Instagram followers. I think it's like you know they don't they don't really care about the TikToks and I think uh in a way like humans are obsessed with their permanence and mm. animals just don't even think twice about it, you know, they just live yeah. in the moment and uh and we're always thinking about like hey, how can we last longer? How can we survive longer what's the thing that i'm going to make that's going to survive me how many numbers do i have to get to break and, and we're just psychotic like that and you know and we've always been like that we've built cities and we've carved things into the sides of mountains and we you know and it, it it's kind of horse shit <laughs> and, and animals are just like you know what i'm gonna figure out how i'm gonna eat Then I'm going to figure out how I'm going to procreate. I'm probably going to figure out how to go to the bathroom. And then when I don't feel so good, I'm going to figure out how I'm going to crawl away from the tribe and die. (laughs) And I'm not going to think about those things until they're right in front of me. And uh, I think that we can learn a lot from saying, you know what? I'm not going to live my life stressed. I'm not going to worry about things being other than they are. And I'm not really going to worry about next Tuesday when it's still a week away. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just talking about that. That is kind of what yeah, what I think about. I don't know. I think meditation I like tries that. to get you back to that point. Do
1: you meditate a lot?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I That's do. Awesome. And I think of myself, uh, back in those like natural states. And I think of like, you know what I mean? I think, uh, mm-hmm. you, I mean, because there's so many metaphors in, in meditation that are natural metaphors, whether it's the ocean or the sky, the cloudy sky or the, the, or the calm ocean versus the, uh, and you think about that stuff. And, and I think that meditation is just, meditation is just a way to try and get us back to our natural selves where we haven't built up all this stuff for our permanence. You know to I mean? Like, why, why does Jonathan London have a storage unit with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of, of comic books he will never read again? It's a good question. There's no reason for me to own that thing. And I do. Like, why? Why do we have any of this stuff? (laughs) But um, I don't know. Give it away. Yeah. Hopefully it'll make somebody else's life better. You know, it's not going to make my life better, but hopefully it'll make somebody else's life better uh, when I figure out what the heck to do with it. But that's a stress I'm not going to take on today.
0: If somebody gets in touch and can accurately say how many times you said the word barometer. They should get a comic book prize.
2: Sure, I'll do that. <laughs> but
0: right. that's not going to happen. You're not going to lose any comic books.
2: I will continue to
0: say the word. I think I was just saying, like me, me saying it doesn't count. But I think it's your your subtotal. Okay. Because when you were on that Justice League kick, yeah. barometer, it kept coming
2: back to barometer. Well, that's because it always comes back to Superman, and right. and Marvel Who comes every everything, everything comes back to Superman, and. If 1938 hadn't happened, we'd still be reading pulp stories. And I think that Batman is a pulp character. I think Batman somehow survived the pulp purge that took like Doc Samson and the Shadow and the Phantom and all those pulp characters. Batman's one of those. And somehow... Yeah. Oh, the big difference.
0: The big yeah, difference somehow is he
2: survived it. Yeah, he survived Survives that. The cape. Shadow doesn't really
0: have a cape. No, Phantom doesn't a have globe. a cape. Right, exactly. Uh, but the difference is Batman's got a cape. It makes a big difference.
2: I think that's I hadn't thought about that, and I think that's huge. Um, And I think that's also why Batman is trash.
1: Whoa! Shots fired. Wait, why do you think that? I don't actually have much skin in the game, but why do you think Batman's trash?
2: Well, I don't think he's a hero. I think that he's, uh, and again, if you start thinking about things realistically, they fall apart really fast. But. We, we have a billionaire who embezzles from his own publicly traded company in order to build siege weapons. And his idea of fighting crime so that the death of his parents isn't recreated ever for someone else is to build tanks with his friend Lucius out of funds that have been embezzled from his own publicly traded company uh, and then go and punch people with grease paint on their faces instead of actually, I don't know, taking those funds... Properly investing them in things like the infrastructure of the city, a proper police force, I don't know, an asylum for the mentally ill that actually doesn't work like a revolving door. Uh, Do you actually make things better? There's a huge reason why Metropolis looks like Metropolis and Gotham looks like a toilet. <laughs> and I think it's Batman and Superman. Superman's whole goal is to inspire people by example and to show people right and wrong and that yes i'm more powerful than you but i won't turn you into food because i love you and batman's like i will make you fear and i will control you with fear and if you step out of line and steal a loaf of bread i will break every bone in your face (laughs) and i and i can do it because i've stolen all this money from my own company to build a tank and it's like what you're not a hero you're a psycho and you're going to throw people into that revolving door called Arkham Asylum and then they're going to get worse and pop out. He is the 1% of superheroes. He's everything that's wrong with a capitalist uh, company. And uh, yeah, he's the Donald fucking Trump of superheroes. Fuck Batman. Wow. (laughs) Do you feel the
0: same about
2: uh, Iron Man? Because it's all the same tropes there. Well, Iron Man finances a lot of this stuff and you can always be like, oh, Batman finances a bunch of stuff and this and that. But no, I, th- I think that Tony Stark came right out and said, hey, I'm Iron Man. <laughs> and Batman's like, no, I got secrets. You know, I, I think that any girl who's like, oh, I find Batman sexy, like, you got issues. You know, like, that's that's not a good thing to find. Like, secrets and lies and stealing and violence is not something to uh, find sexy. And when you're done with that whole shit, like... Spider-Man's over here waiting for you to figure out your issues and actually have and have a functional relationship where all the lies that I told were like, hopefully to help you. And you know what I mean? Like Spider-Man lies his ass off. He tells Aunt May, yeah, I'll pick up groceries on my way back home. And he fucks up every time like Green Goblin shows up, you know, and he's like, oops. And then Aunt May's like, you missed dinner. And he can't tell her why he missed dinner. You know what I mean? Like he's late for a date with Mary Jane can't tell her why you know he kills Gwen Stacy's dad and it's like can we still date like it is, like Spider-Man's but Spider-Man's us and we fuck up in the hopes of doing something good Batman doesn't do that Batman doesn't say hey it's a white lie in the hopes of something good coming out of it and I'm gonna make this better That that's that's Spider-Man Batman's like fuck it <laughs> <laughs> fuck it they need to know who runs the streets <laughs> It's true. He, I mean, he's essentially
0: like the king of his city. He runs it in the daytime and at the, and at night. I like Batman just because of the, uh, the silhouette, the silhouette's the strongest thing, just dressing in black with some pointy sides up and down.
2: And Tony Stark doesn't do that. Tony Stark is like, I don't have fucking time to run around and lie about who I am. And yeah, there's a long period in comics where Tony Stark was the rich industrialist and Iron Man was his bodyguard. but they definitely had that relationship and they were definitely tied together and they definitely had effects on each other until he ultimately said, ah, if I get, I don't have a bodyguard. It's me. You got me. (laughs) Um,
0: but one of my favorite, uh, comic
2: solutions to that is, uh,
0: the Batman incorporated one, which I figured if we've talked about before, because I think you said you were rereading the Grant Morrison run. Yeah. And 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 Batman incorporated
2: helps solve it. But all you're really fucking doing is endangering more people. Like let's just talk about the source of all this. It's Alfred. Alfred is probably the most fucked. He's the most fucked character in the DC universe. Cause, no, i straight up. He took a poor hit.
0: character. Yeah, I it. mean, the poor character started as he's he's like this bumbling, jokey side sure. character. No, then, what he is. But over time, he's become the architect of Batman through and through because he's he's raised him.
2: At different fantastic. points in like
0: the comics, they've had it as like he was raised by, but now it's like firmly just the story that Alfred was raised in. Alfred took an eight year old on
2: the worst day of his life and said, I have a solution. Alfred
0: in all, in order to be able to do the things that the stories need Alfred to do, then Alfred had to also become like an ex spy, also an actor, also a medic, also all these things to be able to help create, right. To be able to create
2: Batman, uh, for, for Bruce Wayne. Like what you said is the problem. He created it. This kid was eight years old, traumatized, And Alfred's like, I know the solution. Ninja time. Let me go ahead and turn you into a fucking weapon. And that'll get... Oh, you have rage issues? I know how to work it out. Turn you into a weapon. And he has reset every bone Batman's ever broken. He's restitched every cut he's ever had. He's seen Bruce go through some really horrific shit. And then when Bruce shows up with another teenager, and it's like, oh, this is my ward. He's going to live with us for a while and fight crime... This psycho is like, yeah, y'all want a sandwich? You're going to be down in the fucking bat cave? Like, what do you need? It's uh, also no. Alfred can live vicariously through them. Alfred's the uh... a broken character in the DC continuity. Yeah, he's a problem. <laughs> Alfred's a problem. So when people are like, oh, I love Alfred. I'm like, "Oh no, don't love Alfred. Alfred is a child in danger who will never learn his lesson. And then it's like, hey, what do you think about incorporating okay pal (laughs) somebody take Alfred out please
1: he's the true villain the true villain
2: yeah you think any of you think Gotham would even look like that without these two no Gotham would not look like that without Alfred welcome to the party folks (laughs) (laughs) um
0: no, I mean uh, yeah, I think it's a yeah, it's a fun take. I mean it's it's definitely always the problem <laughs> with the Batman story. I mean it's is like all that like if you if you take it seriously to a, to an extent then yeah, it all falls apart when it's it just like apart. it's just power fantasy stuff of like wouldn't it be cool to like I mean they're all it's all obviously little boy stuff, but it's all it's also interesting what the tropes are like having a secret which you mentioned is like, and that's just like core to all of it. Um, yeah. It, and I, that, it's, it's very rare. And anytime it seems to be tried, it's never really explored much either. It was exciting for the first Iron Man movie to end with it as a reveal. And then you sort of get glimpses of what that kind of means uh, throughout the rest of the Marvel movies. But it's like, then they're just celebrities. You yeah. Know, it's, it's either they're Elon Musk, which is, or, or Donald Trump, if you like, as, as Batman, or it's like, um, the, you know, in Marvel, there's sort of, you know, he's uh, I don't know, he's also Elon Musk, I guess. They're all they're all like jacking the same
2: shit. That's why the the Demon in the Bottle stuff I thought as for Iron Man 3 would have been really great, is to say, hey, this guy's let's actually do a movie about his humanity at this point. And not in the fact that he saw a like shatari technology and has anxiety, but let's actually have the demons from his past that were established in the first movie and hinted at in a huge way in the second film, where he's like shooting watermelons drunkenly off of people's heads. I think now like, let's really lean into it and talk about how, well, Tony's a bit of a problem. And he got tipped over by the Shatari technology and not knowing how he can outthink things post Avengers one, but like going into the alcohol is a huge problem. And I think it would have set things up for like a really great film about he and his relationship with Brody and Pepper where they look at him and say, Hey, like we have to save you now. And, uh, and I don't think that happened. And (laughs) Hey, well, we all know it didn't happen and we got a different storyline, but, uh, how do you make that? Like if you have, if you're Disney and you have a bunch of stockholders, like how do you make that film? And I just don't know if you can do it, but comics have done it. And, that, you know, they're, they're a beautiful art form in that way. And when we talk about making things a little too realistic or going in the other direction, I do prefer Lego Batman as my favorite Batman film. Because it's like, you know what? That is how they would treat him. A weirdo who's not invited to the parties. <laughs> like, he's just no fun. I think Lego Batman Lego Batman is fantastic. And, yeah, uh, I love Lego and, Batman. And the Michael Keaton Batman is a second on that one as far as like, oh, yeah, he's weird. He's definitely, definitely weird. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I was talking, I,
0: yeah, that's one of the reasons that the, uh, he, he should be, yeah, as you say, weird, weird is the, uh, and I like how he's not, he's not exactly, he's not he's not heroic. It's all very selfish motivation in the Keaton versions. Um, it's, it's, it also gets weird in like the Nolan versions too, of like how, uh, when you try to position the Waynes as this, like empirical good for Gotham. It again, doesn't quite work. It then almost like it invites like the Joker take of it. I like how the, I don't know if you ever played the telltale games, but I I like, I like when they actually make the Wayne's villainous or they make them like part of the problem.
2: Yeah. Uh, It's gone back generations.
0: And so it's sort of, then the storyline changes to like, he's got to do this to like take down the ghosts of his parents who have corrupted the city Mm -hmm. as opposed to anonymous mugger or, fellows with grease paint as you
2: all i can tell uh, you uh bruce is you know where alfred sleeps so take care of it <laughs> <laughs> next time that, like, that brings milk and cookies throw them down one of those fucking giant chasms in the Batcave. cave like you I've know i'm mean, like, that's the more properly over.
0: from the kid's perspective too because it's all insane if you're just thrown into this it's all it's always sort of from Batman or Alfred's perspective. Rarely is it from like the kid perspective of uh, of like this is a completely. They just don't know what to do with Robin. This is a whole separate sort of point. Sure. The best version of Robin is the Spider Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That Iron Man and that Spider Man is the Batman and Robin. That I think yeah. you'd like to see. I'd like to see. I I, I want to see a like to me the 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 way to sort of play with those tropes and be able to like use it to make a better story as opposed to just like dodging around the, uh, the things is to have Robin be more of the Robin hood or the moralistic aspect that pushes a selfish, weird doing it only for personal vengeance, Batman towards more altruistic, good things creates the Wayne foundation and so on.
2: I mean, but that require
0: empowering the Robin character as opposed to the only sort of strategy for the Robin character. It seems like out of the last 20 odd years is to just, kill the character the, yeah, the value of robin out. is as a dead robin
2: let's figure out how to fridge him is right like the approach and we're just waiting for robins to die and then come back as villains or come back as other iterations and that's that's like spider-man's friends to a degree too they recently did that with harry osborne as they brought him back as a villain who, right. it's just you know, comic
0: books it's just they needing big cliffhangers all yeah, the time. if you don't eventually the side characters all have to they've all died Every single Batman character has died multiple times as part of the comic book continuity. If you don't pull them
2: apart, though, you are just kind of stuck in that second act. People have to die. But surprise, even when they die, you're still stuck in that second act and they will come back and you're still stuck in that second act. So Mm -hmm. we're never, I mean, in our lifetimes, we'll never see the end of these characters. Right. Yeah. We'll see iterations of it. I think the Maestro series uh, that Peter David's doing at Marvel, I think is so much fun. I really like that it's a Hulk book. I'm like, oh, cool. This is Maestro trying to do the right thing as a Hulk living in an old, like an aging Hulk in a wasteland trying to keep society together. And then he finally just says, ah, fuck it. I'm going to make him fear me. And he becomes Maestro, uh, which is cool. Like, I like that. I like that storyline. I think it's a good Hulk book. Um, Is it canon? What is anymore? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like everything gets retconned. So. I do love comics, you know. We do talk about them on Geekscape. I, I I like I like Geekscape. Are you like, looking forward to, <laughs> uh, to
0: I'm looking for the only Batman thing I'm looking forward to recently is the uh Batman Catwoman uh limited series from Tom King and uh I forget the
2: artist's name. I'll tell you what. You heard my take on Batman. Do you think I'm somebody who looks forward to any more Batman?
0: You haven't so you didn't read the Tom King run or
2: I thought you read the I did, all I did, stuff. but it's like more, more Batman is just. I don't think he's a character that we need to focus on that much. You know, it's like, it's like more. No offense, it's like to to you fans, it's like it's it's kind of like more Wolverine. Um, I don't know how many more fresh ideas we're gonna get out of those characters. You know, like, like it's gonna. You know, it's like I love Wolverine. At the end of the day, it all ends up becoming bigger versions of Wolverine underneath. You know the what was it the uh the um what was the group that uh that emma, emma that emma was a part of the white queen and it was i'm blinking completely on this major x-men group um and there was a classic chris claremont story where like wolverine gets fucking sent down into the sewer and that you think he's done. And he pulls up himself up out of, out of the rebel. And he's like out of the rubble, And he's like, Nope, I got to go save the X-Men now. And he, he's literally like crushed by floors of a house. And, uh, and he has to like go and rescue the X-Men. Like, I think that's ultimately like every, every Wolverine story is just gonna be like Wolverine obliterated to the point where he's nothing but skeleton or he's frozen in adamantium or, you know what I mean? And then like, Wolverine's going to have to chip his way back and get revenge. and, Batman is a similar thing where it's like, oh, Batman lost all his resources. Batman lost this person that was close to him. Batman's going to have to figure out who did it and, you know, and make things right. (laughs) Maybe I'm just talking about comics in general. But I think that we're now at a place with comics where there are other characters you can do that with and start to talk about. And you can use in metaphorical ways for things, you know, like we're talking about Tom King. then Then let's talk about vision and how he reintroduces to a new aspect of that character. And I I think there's a lot of characters that aren't getting mined properly because the big two still have to make those that money. And and you get the money by printing books with Wolverine and Batman in them. But it doesn't leave a whole lot of place for stories that I think are that interesting. I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you love Batman or Wolverine.
0: Well, I also like uh, the vision book that uh, King did but like mm-hmm. his, his run on batman was was uh, full of fresh ideas uh, particularly with just making it a romance book and focusing on the history with catwoman and i think isolating that and then just doing like a limited run vision type series with batman catwoman sounds and looks good looking yeah, forward to it i think Minus we the see uh, peter david hark hulk arc what's the best uh final question for you what's the what's the best comic book thing you've read recently or superman maybe in particular cuz superman you've
2: uh championed a bit or is like- there any good uh I'm going to go indie because I'm a hipster. No, I'm not a hipster. I just again like think that these characters are getting are getting their asses kicked by the big two. Uh, you know, I thought that those that that the House of X, powers of X stuff was so strong, and then it turned into twenty X Men books, and I wish that that had kept together a little longer. <laughs> Um, because I think Jonathan Hickman's awesome. And I like, I love the fact that he did a long, long con on his Avengers books and was like, Oh, just kidding. Secret Wars, just a fantastic forest story. I tricked you all into reading a fantastic forest story. Um, but in, you know, I think that I I do love, even though I talk about the deconstruction of this stuff, I do love the meta stuff. And I think that, uh, Donnie Cates has a book called crossover that is awesome. And it's a, a meta book about comic book characters being real. and, Uh, and the earth saying, Hey, let's put them under a bubble. They're too powerful and superheroes, they've all existed and they basically just stick them under a bubble, uh, over Denver and everyone else goes about their life. Uh, just knowing that somewhere over there, there are superheroes fighting and existing in a bubble where Denver used to be. And if they ever got out, we'd be toast. So that's kind of the beginning of the story. Um, and ultimately, uh, I'm not going to spoil it for you because it's just a very cool meta story. And so you have like, so as you're reading it, you're like, oh, they legally couldn't have put Doctor Strange in the book, but that's Doctor Strange. Oh, they couldn't have put this character in the book, but that's that character. And mm. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I, I turned the, to the last page I think, of, I think, issue two or three, and I was like, oh shit, that is that character. <laughs> and you started to realize that, he'd gotten permission to start putting all these characters in there and it is the Roger Rabbit of comic books so far and i'm loving it and then what's it called it's called crossover and it's an image book that donnie Cates puts out puts out and uh and then uh not on the non-superhero side I, I there's only been two issues but i think stray dogs is really cool it's drawn like um like a disney cartoon uh and it's from the point you know it feels like all dogs go to heaven like the Don Bluth type stuff. And it looks like all dogs go to heaven. And it's about this dog that gets, you know, uh, has an owner, but you think the owner, you think the dog got, got stolen. And then suddenly the dog is living in this house with other dogs that don't quite remember their owners and may have also been stolen. And then you realize that the person who owns the house is kind of like silence of the lambs type person who may have killed the owners and taken the dogs and the dogs are starting and it's all from the dog's point of view so you don't really see humans above the knee Um, and the dogs are starting to piece together wait a minute the person who owns this house is dangerous and we have to start figuring out how to get out or you know I don't really know where it's going to be where it's going to go it's two issues it again looks like a Don Bluth animation yeah I'm looking at some of it right now it looks awesome dude it's like stray dogs and it's crossover. Awesome. Those both sound interesting. Yeah, cool. those are fun books and uh and full of like cool new ideas. And and you'll see all the you know, Donnie Cates is writing that Thor book, and that book's awesome. You know, I think I think that if if if, if writers are given just the chance to write what they want to write and walk away, I think that we're in like we're in really good territory, you know, and some writers can write like really great, acute storylines and be done. And then you have some, some some writers who write long storyline over storylines over years and do great jobs of it. And, uh, and those become classic runs too. We saw Bendis do it for a long time. I think we're in the process of seeing it done. First, it was on Spider-Man and now on Fantastic Four. Um, you know, you just get characters who are like, hold on, I'm going to flesh out on my, all my ideas. Jonathan Hickman did it on Avengers, turned it into a Fantastic Four switcheroo that was so cool when you were reading the most recent secret war and you realized oh this is a uh, fantastic four book you tricked us all that stuff about like taking the ultimate universe and like destroying it and making doing all the avengers oh, that long con of the avengers books and then turning out turning it into a big fantastic four celebration was so cool i don't know if you recall that but i thought that was such a cool thing that he did and it took like five years to do <laughs> Wasn't following it really.
0: No idea what you're talking about, but I know also at the same time. But
2: you Jonathan, yeah, I mean, you know that Marvel think, like they collapsed all their universes into one universe finally, and like they got yeah. rid of the ultimate books and stuff like that. And that's how they did it. It was I'm crazy. Gonna, I mean, it sounds good. I like
0: Bendis' writing. I'll I'll maybe I'll give that one a go. Yeah, that was Jonathan like Hickman,
2: yeah. Hickman.
0: And Jonathan London, thanks for hanging out with us. Dude, two I just final questions the whole time i just talked yeah whole time. do you, I'm feel, sorry, do you feel better or worse uh for having been here and and talked the whole time oh, feel better f- or worse for- it's it's i've had a good
2: time listening uh so i, I had a great time i'm sorry ash like a good time yeah i had a great time ash did I, you have a good time or you're like this i this did guy needs to go.
1: i enjoy learning i mean i am not as deep in the comic book world as grant is so it's always kind of nice to hear more about all the different plot lines that I don't know about.
2: I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: And then Jonathan, should we release this Ashlyn?
2: Same question. Yeah. I think that's a technical. I think that has yet to be, you know, if you're listening to this, it means it didn't mess up. So yes.
0: But you, but Hell you're good yeah. with it.
2: I'm, I'm totally good with it. Yeah. I think it's as good or not better than what was never released. Yeah. You know, I think so. good. This I was the so. Kong versus Godzilla that you, you deserved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan London. Geekscape links are in the description. This has been Grashlin Grashlin Party. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.
1: Bye. Bye.